You may be seated. Finally, this, the eternal everlasting peace that is to come, Isaiah chapter 11. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse, and a branch from his roots shall bear fruit, and the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, and of spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And his delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide disputes by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. and With the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt of his waist. Faithfulness the belt of his loins. The wolf shall dwell with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the young goats. And the calf and the lion and the fatted calf together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow shall, uh, the cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. The lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the cobra. And the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They shall not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain. For the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. In that day, the roots of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the people's Of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be glorious. And then, the very end in Revelation, in chapter 21, these words. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He'll dwell with them. They'll be with his, they'll, they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. And death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things have passed away. There was once peace on earth. And Adam ruled the garden, and Eve with him. There was peace. There was peace, you see, so long as Adam continued to be king, to rule as God's righteous representative on the earth. That is, so long as Adam depended upon the wisdom of God, so long as Adam depended upon the strength of God, So long as Adam depended upon the goodness of God, so long as Adam knew that God was sovereign and ruled over all, there was this one instruction from God, and it was the instruction, because it said you can't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That is to say, Adam, remember, I'm the good one, God says. I'm the one who defines good and evil, not you. And so you can't ever take that place You rule under me. Yes, you rule over the earth, but you rule under me. Why wisdom? My strength, my goodness. So don't ever think that you'll be the one to be like me in the sense that you're the one who defines, determines what is good and what is evil. You take that from me. Of course, the evil one came and tempted Adam and said, oh, God isn't right at all about this. You really can be the one to determine good and evil. Eat of this tree. Be like God. Do you remember Adam did? And when he did, thinking himself wise, he was foolish. 
And at that point in time, you see, great difficulty happened. Peace was lost. Peace with God was lost. Adam ran and hid. Peace among people was lost. There would be strife between Adam and Eve. Peace within was lost because Adam was afraid. All of that, you see, because Adam put himself in a place where he ought not be. He placed himself as God. He placed himself as the one who was the wise one, the powerful one, the good one, as opposed to be the one created by the wise one, strong one, good one, who was to depend always upon the wise one, the powerful one, the good one for all things. And so he put himself in this place. And you see, he put himself in a place where human beings ought never be. And thus, always, when we're in that place, we're insecure. We shouldn't be there. We aren't that good. We aren't that wise. We aren't that powerful. We need God. And so you see, peace doesn't come until there's reconciliation with God, as we've seen. And it comes because the just one takes justice into his own hands. And the chastisement that should be for us was placed upon Emmanuel so that we might have peace. And then we're given peace because that, that very fact just fills our minds and our souls and we know that truth and thus we live from it, you see. To say, yes, that's true about God always. He's the wise one. He's the powerful one. He's the good one. He rules and reigns. And I live under in submission to him. But the day will come, of course, when this, this, this peace will come. When will it come? When, when will the ultimate peace come? Peace on earth, if you will. When, when will it come? And of course, I don't know. No one knows that. All we know is that when someone predicts a day, it couldn't be that day. Right? Because you said nobody knows, so if somebody thinks they know, not going to happen. Rats. Right? So please, don't pick any days. Leave them all open so he can return. We don't know, but, but probably just like the first coming. Remember, Jesus came when? In the fullness of time, the scripture says. When time was ripe, when it was ready, when it was perfect for him to come, he came in the fullness of time. Jesus will return once again when time is full. Uh, the way that the, the apostle Peter puts it in, in, Peter in uh, 2 Peter in chapter 3, he puts it as God's patience sort of uh, coming to an end. And, and here's when that will be. Second Peter in chapter 3. Peter writes, now this is the second letter that I'm writing to you. In both of them, stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the, comment of, uh, and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles Knowing this, first of all, that scoffers will come in the last days scoffing, following their own sinful desires. They'll say, where's the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, all things are continuing as they were from the beginning of creation. Haven't you heard that? When believers say, well, listen, you guys, Christians, you keep saying he's coming back. Oh, come on. For they deliberately overlooked this fact. That the heavens existed long ago and the earth was formed out of water and through water by the word of God. And that by means of these, the world that then existed was, was deluged with water and perished. But by the same word, the heavens and earth, 
that now exist are stored up for fire, being kept until the day of judgment and destruction of the ungodly. But don't overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, that all, but that all should reach repentance. In other words, he'll come when all have reached repentance. All are going to repent, will have repented, and then Jesus will come back. I don't know if a, you know, if a big light will go off and say, you know, two billionth repented, and it, boom, there we go, and he comes back. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and the heavens will pass away with a roar, and the heavenly bodies will be burned up and dissolved, and the earth will be, and the works that are done on it will be exposed in the fullness of time. Right when it's ready, he will return. Ephesians in chapter 1, verse 7. In him that is Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven, and things on earth. Prophet Isaiah said this time will be such a time where the lion and the lamb will lie down together, the calf and the bear, where little children will play over the den of cobras and their moms will be okay with that. (laughs) That's peace, right? That'll take some getting used to. That kind of peace on earth. John sees this new heavens, this new earth, after the first earth and heavens have passed away. And this renewed earth, this earth that's filled with the glory of God, will exist in such a way. There'll be no more tears, no more grief, no more sorrow, no more poverty, no more injustice, no more sin. Nothing of sin will exist on this earth. I can't even imagine that. Can you even imagine thinking a thought that isn't tainted by sin? The problem is, if ever we do, we want to tell someone so they'll be impressed. Right? Wow, I had this thought. Isn't that the perfect thought? Just think of it. Even to imagine it. And that's what it will be like in in this time. Perhaps like the Garden of Eden, but better. The Garden of Eden was great, but there's still the potential for sin. In this place, there'll be no potential for sin. No potential for sin at all. We'll be completely safe. We'll be completely protected. We'll be completely secure. We'll have all that we need. And that will be this place of glory. Because you see, everything will reflect the glory of Christ We'll look at everything and we'll say, that reminds me of Jesus. It was designed by him. I know that he's here somewhere. Look at that. I remember when each of our kids went off to college, we'd go back to visit them. The first visit, you see, back to their dorm room. And I would always wonder what the room would look like. Karen never did because she knew the kids. (laughs) So it's going to look like them. (laughs) Trust me. You don't want to go in, especially for the first one. Ah, uh, the boy among them. But, but, but it's true, it resembled them. All in glory, you see, will resemble 
Jesus. Even us. Resemble him. I'll look at you and you look at me and we'll be reminded of Jesus. That great peace. And you see, in the midst of this, we'll know him as the one who is the Prince of Peace, the great giver of all that is there. Have you ever received an anonymous gift? I suspect you have. I have. Sometimes that's the best way as a giver to give a gift, to give it anonymously. There's certain reasons why that's valuable. But, but I have to confess to you that, that when I get them, they're nice. But, but, but I don't really like anonymous gifts that much. And now, if you're going to give me like a lot of really cool stuff without signing your name, that'd be okay. But, 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 but here's why. Because you see, there's something about knowing the giver of the gift that always warms the soul. Because you say, this person loves me this much. And, and even after the gift is worn out and even after you've stopped using it or, or whatever, the memory of the giver is what's really great with that. By the way, kids, at about 2 o'clock this afternoon when you're complaining about all your toys and your parents get mad at you, it's because they feel like you've just rejected them. Now, I know that's a huge thought and you probably can't comprehend it. By the time you can, you won't need to. But, but, but that's just really true. I mean, that, that's really the problem with all of that. It isn't so much the money or any of that. It's just like, they bought this for you and you're saying, I don't like you, Mom. Now, I liked you at 8 o'clock this morning, but I don't like you now because I'm tired of this. So just bear that in mind. So just give them some grace. Um, but that's the thing, you see, in glory, everything that's there, even us, everything that's there will be traced back to the giver of the gift. And that is our peace. We'll say, he loves me. I'm safe. He loves me. I'll have everything I need for all eternity. He loves me. He's the giver of the gift. That is the peace that will be peace for all eternity. We have a glimpse of it now. It's to inform our lives now. We're to live from that. Knowledge that he loves me thus. The day will come and we'll see it. We'll be in his very presence. And there will be no crying. There will be no sadness. There'll be no poverty. There'll be no fear. There'll be none of that because we'll know that he loves us. Please stand to sing.